Hi, this is the UX Growth Podcast, the podcast that helps people learn and grow in the UX design industry. I'm your host, Nick Mann. I'm here with another guest of season one, with Stephanie Akuma, user experience designer of Welcome You. Thank you for being here, Stephanie. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so let's begin by tell us a bit about your background. How'd you get into the UX design? Oh, pretty interesting story. Um, it's a bit lengthy, but I'll try to keep it as short as possible. So I began with Canva. I was running a small business and I was working for my brother's foundation as well. And then we needed designs and, you know, couldn't spend money on, you know, a graphic designer. So what I was doing was, you know, designing with Canva just so we could get designs out there, you know, social media flyers specifically. And that was how I began. And then a friend saw my designs. He thought it was horrible. And to be honest, I agree with him. And he offered to teach me Photoshop. And, you know, it, it, I think the second day, you know, after learning Photoshop, he gave me like a task to do. And I spent about six to seven hours straight working on the designs, right? And it was interesting to me before because before then I was a writer or let's say I am a writer and I couldn't spend that long, you know, doing some, doing one thing because I have, you know, really short attention span. But then with design, I could go long hours and, you know, not be tired and just, you know, still want to keep going. As soon as I realized, oh, wait, I like this stuff, right? But I did not mm -hmm. know there was, you know, a career path you know, like UX design or UI design or anything yeah. like that until on Twitter, you know, someone, so there's this woman I follow, she runs a Canva Academy in which she teaches people how to use Canva, um, so she um, made a tweet that graduates from her program were getting into, you know, UI, UX. And I was like, yes. what's, what's the relation, you know, between Canva design and UI, UX? I'm like, and so I Googled it. I was like, okay this is interesting and then that was the mm -hmm. point I said you know what this is what I want to do this is definitely what I want to do um, but at that point I was in school you know I was studying a different course and I had a lot going on I couldn't begin I was like okay I'll start once I finish school so the moment I finished school in fact while I was still writing my final papers I got a mentor again on Twitter right so I said I feel mm -hmm. like Twitter has played such a huge role you know, to my careers, I found a mentor on Twitter. She put out, you know, an ad that she wants to mentor people to apply. You know, if I wanted the interview I had with her was just like 30 minutes to one of my exams in school. So I had to, I did the interview and then I rushed to school at my exams, you know, and then I got into the program. And um, I think that's basically how I got into UX or yeah, how I got into UX actually, UI design. Through her, she would share, you know, resources with us. We're 10 of us in the program. She would share resources with us and we would, you know, would study, would watch the videos. She would give us tasks, would perform them. And then, you know, would have feedback sessions every Friday. And that's pretty much how I began. Wow. I know that sounds so fun. Like how you're able to feel like you have found something that you absolutely believe in yourself for doing that. Of course. Yeah. Yeah, I know, and what I know. was most was sorry, please go ahead. Oh, it sounds good. Like, must be the most incredible feeling because, right, there's so many people out there yes. who go through years upon years and not really find their passion and feel like they're doing things just because they're told to. Mm -hmm. Exactly, and because I've always been a writer. Okay, I think I found a story that I wrote in 
primary one. So that's like um, grade one, I think. And um, I was just like uh, um, four years old, four, five years old. And I'd written a story, just almost like a complete book. Right. And it's it's it kind of made me believe I was always supposed to be a writer. And even though now I still write, but then I realized that I enjoy design a lot more. And now I'm able to, you know, combine both writing and designing. And it's like my two favorite things in the world. You know, so it's it's really amazing for me. And I enjoy every bit of it. Yeah, your writing is actually how I found you. So I, if I can confirm, <laughs> you're doing a great job. Thank you very much. Thank you. Yeah, I know. Like one one of the articles I loved so much was uh, how you went over the details of going over survey questions that how we become better interviewers and finding the actual solutions better. And like, wow, that really spoke mm-hmm. to me because like writing, like figuring out good questions is kind of all, all I like doing the most. I mean, it's, it's how I do with this podcast, you know, <laughs> it feels yeah, very meta. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. I, you know, and there's a lot, I know, and it's also like, it's a process that doesn't really come naturally to people because a lot of like yes. UX design feels innate. It feels like it comes naturally mm-hmm. to us. So like when we are thinking yeah. of questions and to, to solve these problems, what, what would you suggest are the things that people can become better at asking better uh, interview questions? Mm, I'll take practice, right? And this is this might sound cliche, but it's what has worked for me. Uh, once you're able to practice, of course, okay, so the first thing you want to do is you want to learn. You want to do a lot of study. You want to, you know, you want to read articles. And this is what has helped me reading a lot of articles and reading a lot of books. Um, so by reading these things, and I, I do not watch a lot of YouTube videos. I did at the start of my career. But right now I do a lot more reading. So reading these books and articles, mm-hmm. you know, I've learned, you know, all these things. And then I not just learn and, you know, just keep them as abstracts. Instead, I put them to practice. And by practicing these things often, I sort of got better at them, right? So I'll say the first thing to ask in the first step to asking good questions is to learn about asking good questions. And the second thing is to yeah. practice asking good questions. And, um, once, once you're able to read, once you're able to practice, it becomes a lot easier, you know, than it's, it would have been or it was at the beginning. So, yeah, study and then practice. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's always, I know, it feels mm-hmm. like a really just, good basis. Just, <laughs> no, it's like sorry, it's a really good basis for us. Okay, yeah, yes, absolutely. What would you yeah, like yeah. I wanted to add something a little more practical, and that would be empathy. Right. So I feel like as UX designers, one of the biggest things we have to consider is, you know, being empathetic. So when you're asking questions, two things to keep in mind is one, sorry, one is um, how the user would respond. Now, this is especially with surveys, you know, that are mostly, you know, written. Right. Or the, the, the respondents would need to type out their answers. You do not want to ask questions that will cause them to have a lot of writing to do. Right. So I'm speaking about open-ended mm-hmm. questions where, where they have to write and write and write. It'll be stressful for them. And uh, people like me, I would abandon such a form. Right. This is for forms. This is for you know surveys, everything that you know users have to write. So be empathetic towards them, towards them rather. And then in general, you want to also consider questions that can best inform your decisions or that will give you the best data. Yeah, I think that's what I should use. That would give you as good a data as possible. So if you're asking, mm-hmm. 
poor questions, right? If you're asking leading questions, if you're asking questions that are out of context, if you're asking questions that can lead to certain biases, or if, if you're asking questions from your you know, stance or from your bias, your place of bias or something like that, it's going to lead to poor data. And you do not want that, you know, you do not want to get bad, bad data because, you know, you're, then you make bad decisions for your design. So I think those are two more practical tips that you'd want to keep in mind while asking questions. Yeah, yeah this sounds like, we're, I know it doesn't make a lot of sense because of when we are trying to, you know, ask a lot of questions, we got to come out without any kind of biases because we want to come to the, mm -hmm. the root of the problem. And, yes. you know, like, and if we don't come to the problem, it's because we didn't ask the right questions. And there's a lot of things like our wording, how we come from that, that can like lead into different areas that like we may not even think about when we are yes. asking these things. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So it's always about how you ask the questions and when you ask the questions, who you ask the questions to, you know, all of these things matter. So as long as it gets, you know, each of them right, you know, the, the quality of data you get back just, you know, goes up like by a lot. So, yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, I know. I always say like the, like the research aspect of the UX design has to be like the most focused part because like it doesn't matter how much everything else is so well done that if you don't get to the actual root of the problem, then how are you going to come to a solution? Of course, of course. And uh, this is something I spoke about in one of my articles. I think um, it's um, when not to use surveys as a primary research method. And I give an example of a story I got from um, a book I was reading. And this founder, um, what, did he, what did he do? Okay, he conducted survey, carried out surveys, right? He was about building the products and then he conducted surveys and you know did a bunch of stuff and he launched the products. And in 18 months, he did not get any customer at all. And you know, when the author of the book came into play, she conducted you know interviews and you know other used other research methods and was able to realize that nobody wanted the products that he was building in the manner she was building it, right? His current business mm -hmm. method did not entirely solve the problem for people. So people were not interested in it. But he did not know that because he got bad data, you know, from the surveys he conducted, right? So once mm -hmm. you get poor data, it just affects everything you're building. So you always, always have to focus carefully, you know, on the research side of things. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's so, so important. Also, Stephanie, what would you say is your favorite tools and resources that you use as a designer? Mm. So I'd say Notion because it's, I'll say it's one of my favorites. It is, first of all, the experience is good. I'm trying to think, you know, about a time where I had poor experience and I can't really remember one right now. Um, that's to say, that's the, how good it has been for me. And mm -hmm. then um, I actually enjoy using it. I use it for a lot of stuff. I use it for documentation. I use it for, you know, collaboration. So whenever I'm working on a collaborative product, projects rather, uh, most times I just create a Notion workspace and then invite everyone else on the team on there. So there we're able to, you know, design timelines. I'm able to assign tasks to people. I'm able to... Um, research you know research questions or research scripts you know for like usability tests or anything mm -hmm. everything can be written on there so the entire team is on the same page at the same time so notion is just an amazing tool for me and then 
of course, as a UI designer, Figma, um, I, I'm not an ex sketch person. I'm more of a Figma person. And with that, of course, FigJam. I use FigJam for a lot of um, collaboration as well. I use it for sketching sometimes, you know, for also um, research analysis occasionally. And then Miro for the same job, basically, a lot of whiteboarding there. And then let's see what else. Or recently, I discovered Dovetail which is what I've started to use for research as well. So it's a really great tool for carrying out research. Okay, I'm transcribing your research, for example, and then um, mm -hmm. get, um, what's, what's the word? Extracting, yeah, extracting um, insights from it. And then, you know, affinity diagram, diagramming, um, what else? Just a bunch of stuff around research. The Dovetail is an amazing, amazing tool that I, you know, I discovered recently and has really served me well. So yeah, those, yeah. those tools. Yeah, no, that's a lot of great tools that I also use and <laughs> recommend as well. Is I know they work so nicely. It's I know Notion has like right. really taken yeah, you know, like Notion has really came in and became like the note taking app for a lot of people. Yeah. Yes. And I feel like it has even transcended being just a note-taking app, right? Considering it allows for all these other things. For example, my portfolio is built on Notion as well. So it has, it has you know, allowed for a lot of things to happen on its platform. And I think that's really amazing. Yeah, no, it, it definitely has involved so much more than just a note-taking app. Yeah, you know, like what you just said. Yeah. No, it's like so many people are hosting their own portfolios and websites on there. It's actually really incredible mm -hmm. the creativity yeah. that you can do with it. It's really amazing. I love it. Yeah. 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 Also, Stephanie, what would you say to those people who are looking to get into UX design? Oh, what would I say? Mm, be patient. And um, I'm speaking specifically to, you know, people who do not go to school for UX design, which is not common, you know, around where I am. Um, mm. There's no, I do not know of any, you know, institution, higher institution, right, that um, trains people in UX design. So most people over here who get into UX design are self-taught or, you know, going to boot camps and other, you know, kind of schools like that. So what I'd say is be patient with yourself, right? There are a lot of things mm -hmm. to learn and it can be very overwhelming. I think what yeah. I did at that point in my life is I just decided, okay, Stephanie, calm down, right? And take it one day per time, one thing per time. So if, for example, right now I'm learning, say, personas, right? And then mm -hmm. I see someone talking about information architecture and I'm like, oh my God, I do not know enough about info information architecture. I do not know this. I do not know that. You will get overwhelmed easily. So what I do instead, again, shout out to Notion, I simply write down um, all the things that I've heard people talk about that I do not know enough about, right? I just write them down. Mm -hmm. And to some extent, I just put them to the side while studying or focusing on what I'm learning currently. And then when I'm done, or you know, when I've learned to a considerable extent, I move on to the next topic. So what I would say is don't allow yourself to be overwhelmed. Just take it one day per time and one step per time. Learn what you can at this point and then move on to the next thing. 
that's resting your patients. Don't let yourself be overwhelmed. Secondly, practice, 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 and practice, especially since, especially for us who are self-taught, right? That is the mm-hmm. best way. In fact, even for um, people who are more opportune, right? You do not get better without practice. At least that's what I believe. So just practice a lot as often as you can. If it's UX, you know, the UX side of things, do a lot of practice. If it's the UI side of things, do a lot of practice. Just practice, 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 practice. Um, okay, for, for UI, I would say you'd want to repli- do a lot of replicating. That's what I did at the start of my career. Heck, that's what I still do till date. I find, you know, mm-hmm. designs that I really like, or I really appreciate, or I see as good design. And then I replicate them just to practice. So you want to do a lot of replicating as a UI designer. And then same thing as a UX designer, right? You cannot do a lot of replicating, but then you can do a lot of practicing. And well, I'd say reading, not many people like to read, but if you can, you know, just try as best as you can to push yourself to do a lot of reading. And, you know, you'd really get ahead of most people or just really get ahead to be honest. Yeah, even if uh, reading isn't their favorite, there's also, you know, podcasts to be able to learn from as well. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. So listen to a lot of podcasts. I think that's one thing I do often too, um, especially when I'm doing, like when I'm designing, right? So UI designs, I just have podcasts in the background, UX podcasts in the background, you know, that helps me. And then sometimes YouTube videos, right? And for some mm-hmm. reason, I haven't done a lot of YouTube videos recently. I do not know why. But um, so, yeah, you could also find like summary of books on YouTube, right? Or even you could find the authors mm-hmm. of these books talking about their books on YouTube as well. And even on podcasts, right? So you could just, you know, use any of these things if reading doesn't work for you. Yeah, I know. It's, it's really incredible how there's so many different ways to learn. And there's really no yes. right way because everyone learns differently. Yes, completely agree. Yeah, when you when it comes to your writing, what would you say is your your favorite article you have written? Favorite article, damn! How do I answer that? Uh, <laughs> let me see. I, I, I've fr- never. Cons- I was gonna say whatever comes to first in your mind is usually the one. Okay, the first that comes to mind is the one I mentioned earlier: when not to use surveys as the primary research tool. That's the first that came to mind. And um, it's it may be my favorite. I just haven't thought about it that way. But I feel like it's the one I appreciate the most because and then it's really resonated. Be, you know, you can't just use stuff that resonated with a lot of people and a lot of people were able to learn stuff from it. I feel like, you know, that makes it my favorite. Oh, wow. Yeah, I do. I totally, I totally <laughs> get that because like, wow, that's, that sounds so exciting. And the amount of effort you put into it as well. I can definitely yes. say why that, yes. that could be absolutely your favorite. Yeah, no, and it's, yeah. it, it also like reminds me like how many different aspects there are in UX design, especially because like, you know, how we go through like the whole roadmap, personas, wireframing, prototyping, testing, mm-hmm. revision, surveys, like, it sounds like these yeah. all could be its own job depending on the you know on your positioning <laughs> <laughs> yes yes of course and you know people people have done this they've niched down to these various areas i mean you can't i don't know anyone who has niched down on creating just personas right or just this or just that but for things like research right 
I think I know someone who focuses on user interviews. I'm trying to remember. It's from a book I read. I don't remember the person now, but um, she focuses on interviews. And then I know someone, not know someone, another book I've read. I, I think this is the UX of forms. I don't remember the author right now, but she focuses on designing forms. And I think that was really interesting to me because I'd never heard of that before. But her focus in her career focus is simply designing forms. And I was really wowed by that. So yeah, there are all these mm. areas and you know, you could just focus on one. But unless you're really, really experienced, it can be tough getting jobs or like opportunities. Um, but yeah, it's it happens. It can happen. Yeah, you know, it's like what you said before, it's all it's all patience to be able to take this all in. Yes. As well as well as yes. the fact that it's okay to not know everything because not everyone knows everything. Uh I I I feel like if you try to know everything, you definitely get overwhelmed. You can just focus on what you can learn and you know put that into practice and of course try to make money off of that you know if you try to learn everything first it takes you years and if you're patient enough you know to you can't, you can't possibly learn everything but you could learn you know a lot of things over years and if you're open to that then of course it'll really help your growth long term mm -hmm. yes yeah, stephanie what would you say has been the biggest lesson you have learned in your career so far Mm, biggest lesson I'd say empathy so before mm. getting into design I saw empathy as just one of this just words you know just empathize with people and you know but when I got into design and I got to fully study empathy and you know learn a lot about its applications it has somehow um, affected every other area of my life especially my relationship with other people I'm learning to be a lot more empathetic than I was and this translates to and I'm trying to find like a random example uh, but I, I, I've just I've just been a lot more empathetic on you know basic stuff really really simple and easy things or common everyday things rather um, I've, I've been a lot more empathetic for example even with something as as random as giving out pay, making payments, right? Cash payments. Mm -hmm. And so I could have change at home and then have like a larger note. And I'm like, you know, wherever I'm going to, whatever I'm trying to purchase, they may not have change. So to make it easier for them, I could just take the change I have at home instead of taking the larger you know, notes or the larger bill to them. And I feel like that's one of the ways that empathy has helped me, you know, in my relationship with other people. There are a lot of examples that for some reason I don't remember right now. But yeah, I'd say the biggest lesson I've learned is empathy. And that's because it has, you know, influenced my relationship with people generally. So yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I know that's a definitely important skill set that a lot of people need to remember when we are working because it is all for the user and not just for ourselves. Yes, mm -hmm. of course. And and especially, okay, another article I wrote was um, on forms as well. So forms and surveys, I've, I've experienced a lot of frustration with them, right? So this could be something as simple as um, signing up to a newsletter. And I see a lot of questions. And in my head, I'm like, why are you asking me these questions? Now, if, if, if the designer of the form probably tells me why, 
I may be more open to sharing, right? But you mm. don't tell me why you're asking for my, say, phone number. Why I'm trying to send a newsletter. What do you need my number for? I don't want you calling me. I don't want you texting me. Why am I dropping my number here? So let me know so I'll be more open to sharing with you. So, you know, with all these frustrations and with everything that I've learned and I've practiced from, you know, being empathetic, it just helps every other area of my life. I do not want to be the reason why someone is frustrated. So, you know, I just always try to you know, do better than I normally would have. Yeah, that's such a good point. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for saying that because a lot of people need to remember that. Yes, yes, of course. Mm-hmm. So, so as we're drawing close to this episode, what's the best way to reach out to you and be able to support your writing? Mm, okay, so on Medium, uh, medium.com slash Dada Designer, at Dada Designer. So that's D A D A D E S I G N E R. So Dada Designer, at Dada Designer. And then um, I'm very active on Twitter. And it's S Stephanie Okuma, S-T-E-P-H-A-N-I-E-O-R-K-U-M-A. No underscore, no space, nothing. So on Twitter, I'm Stephanie Okuma. And, you know, on Medium, I'm at Data Designer. Yeah, and in the show notes, you can easily find Stephanie's links. So you can quickly check out her, uh, her writing as well as her Twitter. And I highly recommend they're really amazing. thank you very much yeah no problem yeah thank you so much stephanie for being here thank you so much for having me um i'm i'm really glad to have been here and share everything with you and everyone else or to the listener to you who's listening thank you for listening yeah i know it's like i know we're we're all this together because we're growing because this is a this is a big field and this is not something that we can all take in by ourselves no definitely not community has been you know such a huge part of my growth and you know learning in isolation can be very hard so yeah um, being able to meet and discuss share experiences and learnings i think it's really important and helpful yeah all right listeners uh please do support our guests until then you just listen to the ux grow podcast i'm your host nick mann thank you for listening